God's all that good right now. Just hang around a little while. Because it's going to get better. No matter where you are, just keep walking with God. It's going to get better. You can bank on it. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, this time we want to dismiss kids' ministry and the youth. You have great time in the Lord in there. The presence of the Lord goes with you. God hasn't gone anywhere. He's ever-present. That's why we call him omnipresent. He's everywhere at all places, all times. Hallelujah. The psalmist said, you know, where where can I run and hide from you? Amen. Even if I make my bed in hell, you're there. Praise God. Hallelujah. Psalms chapter 16, verse 7. Turn with me if you have your hard copy. If not, use your digital. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to thank everyone that's here today. Praise the Lord. I want to extend special thanks to Brother Marty and Sister Precious. Amen. For hosting a uh, seminar at uh, their Aunt Cheryl's house uh, in close to my neighborhood. And uh, we had about 30 people there, I think he tells me. And uh, we had a great, great lesson and question and answer on the rapture. Being rapture ready. Are you rapture ready? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We need to be. Hallelujah. The signs of the times are all around us. And Jesus is set to come any day. I mean that. It's not just, it's not just a saying. It's not just an adage. It's, it's true. He's coming any day. There's nothing that needs to be fulfilled for Jesus to sound a trumpet now. That's just the way it is. If you're going through some hard trials, and just remember, he's coming soon. It may be that you won't have to put up with it too long because he's on his way. Amen. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If today is the day, it would be fine by me. It would be fine by me. But the Lord knows. He knows when it's best. He knows when the last soul is sealed by the blessed hope of promise, the Holy Ghost. And then he sounds the trumpet and said, that's it. So this gospel shall be preached in every nation for a witness unto them, and then shall the end come. He's still got a vested interest in the gospel being preached in every nation, that his name would be proclaimed, the good news of the new birth would be proclaimed, that eternal life with him would be proclaimed. And unfortunately, many will reject it, but at least they would have heard. And that's what missions is all about. Thank you for supporting global missions and faith promise. Psalms chapter 16, verse 7. And thank you again, Brother Marty. Praise the Lord. David writing in this verse saying, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons seasons. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Lessons from the night seasons. Lessons from the night seasons. Praise God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the light. Thank you for the sunshine. Lord, thank you for the night seasons. Thank you, Lord, for each and every night that we can lay our head down in peace and we can entrust our soul to you no matter what goes on around us. 
But above all, Lord, we thank you for the lessons that we learn. The things you teach us at nighttime, free from noise on the clamor of the day. Lord, bless this service now. It's left of it. Let your presence be here. Multiply it, Lord, to the ears of the hearers. In Jesus' name we ask. Let the church say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. This one psalm in Hebrew is called Miktam. It's translated in English from Hebrew to be golden. And they say it's golden because the value of this psalm, they say, is more valuable than gold. When you read this psalm and along several others, in fact, uh, Psalms 56 through 60, it's the same thing they call those psalms, Miktas also, golden. They put a special value upon them. And they, they feel that especially in times of trouble and trial and sorrow and pain and all the different problems of life that you and I endure in our earth down here, that these scriptures minister to us in a special way. It's worthwhile for us to turn to these scriptures to find solace and encouragement when we feel so pressed about by all the things that go on on around us. But we find that there are many lessons to be learned from our night seasons and from these golden psalms. But night seasons in general. You know, there's very little that we can say that we know and we value except for those things which we learned in the night seasons. Those things that we learn at peak experiences of our lives, we a lot of times tend to to forget. But the things that you pick up during a struggle, during a trial, during a night season in your life, during painful moments, during times of rejection and walking through the valley, those are some of the lessons and things that you will never, ever forget. Those are the kind of experiences that are worth talking about. It's worth testifying about by talking about how God delivered you from that valley. Amen. David did that. Oh, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. These words of encouragement when we walk in the valley. And certainly, I believe every one of us can agree that we have had our times in valleys and we had our own night seasons. I know that in my life I had night seasons and indeed I have learned the best lessons and the most lasting lessons through those trials and through those night seasons. In fact, it was a night season that I came to the Lord. If I did not have that time of night, if I did not have that trouble and that pain and a broken heart, amen, I probably wouldn't have come to God. But it was those night seasons that ministered to me and taught me and brought me to the place that I am today. And when you look at the scriptures, we see a lot of valuable lessons that we can learn and others have learned during the night. In the night, we see in the Bible that Egypt was doomed in one night and yet Israel was delivered. We see angels climbing up and down Jacob's ladder in the night as he was dreaming with a rock for his pillow. Then Jacob wrestling with an angel on Mount Peniel where his name is changed from Israel, from Jacob rather, to Israel. It happened during a night season. Hallelujah. And during the night season, we see the handwriting on the wall with King Belshazzar. And then he was slain in the midst of that party. 
drunken in his stupor, using uh, blasphemously the, the, the articles from the temple of God, drinking wine from that, drew to himself damnation and condemnation. In the night, we see Daniel being delivered from the death of the lion's den. At night, we see Peter denying the Lord Jesus Christ and Jesus looking at him and he runs out and wept bitterly. He wept tears of repentance and yes, after a while, he came back to the Lord and the Lord appeared to him separately, individually to minister unto him. At night, we also see Saul the king in his backslidden state go to the witch of Endor in a cave and get counsel from her to see what is to be done in the face of this battle that he faces. And he called up Samuel. Amen. The lessons that we can learn at night. Paul's ship in the book of uh, Acts uh, crashes in the middle of the night to the rocks of Malta. And you know the story. The earthquake in the prison of Philippi what a great salvation was brought to all the, 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 the prisoners in that place, but especially the warden, the jailkeeper. Hallelujah. Amen. Him and his whole family was saved in that night. It was during the night that the shepherds were called and to worship, and they fell down and, and, and honored Jesus as a babe in a manger. Hallelujah. Jesus was walking on the sea by night, and the disciples thought that they see a ghost. Amen. Until he said, no, it is me. Hallelujah. When they cried out. And it was that night that Jesus calmed the storm, and he spoke to the winds and the seas, and a great calm came about. It was also in the night that we see Jesus kneeling in a garden of Gethsemane who prayed for you and I. It was there that he prayed for a victory over the flesh by the in-residing spirit that he would drink that bitter cup of sin for all of humanity and mankind that you and I may go free. Amen. There are lessons to be learned from the night, from the Bible. Hallelujah. Valuable lessons that are painful, uh, yet it is useful. Can you say praise the Lord? You know, uh, during the night... Fears come to us. During the night when the noise of the clamor subsides from the day, it is when we begin to commune with our own heart. We begin to think thoughts and we begin to reflect on the day. We reflect on our, our life and, and we begin to commune with God even. Unfortunately, too many restrict their communion with God to the night, to those seasons only. But we, we seem to, to, to think more about God at night and the things of God than any other time. And while God is light and he is the father of lights, he also dwells in thick darkness. Amen. In fact, in Psalms, uh, excuse me, Exodus 20, 21, we read, And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. In Psalms 18, 11, it says, He made darkness his secret place. His pavilion round about him were dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. Psalms 97, verse 2, Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. You see, even though God is of light 
and he is light. And in him, there's no turning a shadow. Hallelujah. But he is also someone that's surrounded by thick darkness and clouds of darkness. Amen. We could say a lot about that in clouds. It was a cloud that received Jesus. And when he comes back, he will also be in the clouds coming in like manner. And we, John looked in heaven. There's clouds there round about uh, his heavenly abode. Praise God. But you'll find that in night seasons, when, when, when in, you're walking through uh, this road of life, that, that when you're trying to get close to God, uh, you think that you see the light, but all of a sudden everything goes dark, and, and there's darkness and clouds, and, and, and there's a haze, and your vision is blurred. And, but, but you have to find out after a while that it's all the part of God's plan. It is for you to walk through that darkness as you get closer to God, because God is going to give you a different kind of a vision. He's going to give you a different kind of experience. In fact, it's in those darkness moments that God gives you spiritual orientation, that he will speak to you and you will learn lessons that you cannot learn any other way. Hallelujah. So we have to understand that God uses darkness to teach us some important lessons. And I only want to bring a few lessons from the darkness to you tonight. I want to talk to you about Gideon. Hallelujah. Gideon was one of the greatest lessons learned from the night. You know the story of Gideon. The Midianites were uh, given charge by God to, to harass the Israelites. In fact, in the book of Judges, we're told because of Israel's sin and their turning towards idolatry, God allowed the Midianites to, to, uh, to harass them uh, and to dominate them for seven years. And these people lived up in the mountains. They were mountain people. And they hid in the caves, and uh, they watched down in the below in the fields of, of, of Israel. And when they planted their crops and it was time for harvest, they swooped down to the Bible, said, like locusts. And they would take everything from the fields. And they'd hardly leave anything behind for the people and for the cattle. And the Bible literally says that it left the people of Israel impoverished. That's the, that's the word that the Bible uses, impoverished. But God allowed that to happen because of their sin. And so they cried out to God, and God sends an angel. An angel appears to Gideon. He said, oh, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And he says, who, me? <laughs> he said that because he was there threshing in secret behind the vine press, in, in trying to make sure that the Midianites from distance don't see him so they don't come and attack him and take what he's got. So here he is, hidden, scared, <laughs> afraid of the enemy, and he's threshing this wheat, hey man. And the angel says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. He says, who me? Because of that, it was kind of ironic, wasn't it? And nevertheless, the angel told him that God will use him in a great deliverance. And so he's encouraged, Israel's encouraged, and he calls for volunteers. About 32,000 people show up, and when they show up uh, to the call, uh, God says, you know what? Too many people. You got too many. I don't want Israel to say it's by all my own strength that, that you got the victory. I want you to get rid of everybody. Ask everybody who's afraid. Go home. That's exactly what Gideon did. Anybody that's afraid, you can go home. 22,000 men left. Imagine, that's more than, that's about two-thirds of the 32,000. Just about two-thirds. Imagine that. And then it came down to 10,000 people. And then God said, it's still too many. 
Now, you're talking about a mighty army the Midian, Midianites had. They, they come down like locusts. There's that many. And yet God said, 10,000 is still too many. I want you to take the men down to the river. I want you to give them water to drink, and I want them to, to, to drink from the river. And every man that laps the water like a dog, you know, instead of going down on his hands and knees and fours, and just drinking with his mouth, just slurping away the water. Everyone that, that is like a dog, lapping the water. Hallelujah. I want you to pick them. And he goes through the ranks. And sure enough, guess what? He picks 300 men. Only 300 fit the bill. And the rest, Gideon said, go home. Bows down to 300 into a mighty army. And then God asked Gideon to do something that people in those days usually don't do. People never went to war at night. In fact, there was a superstition among the Gentiles in particular and among the Midianites that, you know, if we fight a battle at night, if there's any wars and I die, then my soul can't find its way to the eternal abode because it's dark. Amen. And so there was really basically no warfare. Everybody was afraid to fight in the dark. And yet God tells Gideon and his soldiers, I want you to take these clay pitchers, put your light in there, and then when it's time, break the pitchers. I want everybody to shout, blow the trumpet, and then declare the word, the sword of the Lord in Gideon. That's exactly what they did. They went down, and uh, it was night. Gideon split up his arm into three groups and three different directions. At night, hallelujah, and they did exactly on the signal as as Gideon commanded them to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. And when they did, and when they shouted, the Bible says that there was chaos in the camp. You talk about an incredible victory that was brought on that day simply because they followed God's instruction. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the U.S. Army's got this, got this slogan that says, we own the night. Amen. They say we own the night. Why? It's because of the technological advances that uh, is given them to be able to fight in the night without uh, having to rely too much on their human five senses. It, this, this technology that gives you that advantage. Praise the Lord. But you know, it's really God that owns the night. Hallelujah. He's the captain of our salvation. He is the Lord of the hosts the heavenly host. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's why when we come in our night seasons against enemies that make us feel overwhelmed and overcome, hallelujah, we can run to the Lord and the Lord can direct us. He can fight our battles. Amen. In fact, that's one of the lessons that Gideon learned. Amen. It's not to rely on myself, but to rely on the Lord. Amen. Notice what they shouted. The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. They put the Lord first. They knew that victory comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. If you got a battle on your hands or you're in the night season right now, amen, and you got fight, hallelujah, just remember, put the Lord first in your life. Hallelujah. You put the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the Lord fight your battles. Mm, hallelujah. Like the old song says, if I hold my peace, I let the Lord fight my battles. Victory, victory, victory is mine. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. And uh, we need to focus on God and what he can do, not what we can do. Praise the name of the Lord. And so in our night times, one of the first lessons we learn is how to fight by faith. 
When you're in a night season and you're going through your pain, your struggle, your rejection, whatever it is that you're fighting, use your faith. Faith. Fight by faith. Hallelujah. That's why Paul said, I have fought, amen, a good fight. And then he exhorts Timothy also good, fight the fight of faith. Praise the name of the Lord. And at night times, we learn how to fight. Praise God. You know, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Mm-mm. Hallelujah. Even in dark times where you don't see clearly, just understand and stand by faith that God is always with you. Always with you. Because somebody say, praise the Lord. And then I want to talk about Job. Job is a lesson that we learn as he learned to trust God. Job learned to trust God in his dark places. I'm not going to go into the detail of all that happened, but you know his story. In one day, because of what the devil uh, issued as a challenge to God, uh, God allowed the devil to, to have access to Job. And one day, all 10 of his children were killed. Three girls, seven boys, all in one day. His wealth was lost. He lost his health. Then he had to endure the companionship of a disbelieving wife. And, and then he had to put up with the self-righteous counsel of, of, of his friends. And none of those helped him. Amen. But when he finally came to uh, chapter 38 of Job, uh, and, and God began to talk to him, because all through that trial, he didn't, God didn't say a word to him. All he heard was, you know, was, was, was the, the possible solutions from his friends. And all of them pointed to Job and, and saying that he was a sinner. You're the one that's at fault. Amen. And God is true. Indeed, he is. Hallelujah. You did something wrong, Job. And finally, God, of course, reproved those three young men. Three men and, uh, and then Job, because Job uh, accused, not unjustly, but he had questions and and he was hurt that God didn't answer him. And when God showed up, this is interesting. When God showed up, he didn't give him any answers. All he did was ask him questions. And the questions were, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut up the seas with doors and gave it boundaries? Who is it that gave it boundaries so it won't overflow the banks or where they are unless there's a storm or something? Have you seen the gates of death open to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you perceived the breadth of the earth? You know how long it is, how wide it is, how deep it is? Do you know all that, Job? Have you perceived the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. Hallelujah. What God was saying is, I'm not giving you all the answers. I just want you to trust me. Hallelujah. Listen, when you're going through the darkness of night and you don't understand why, Job certainly didn't know why he had to lose his 10 children. He did not know why he had to lose all of his, his cattle and everything he owned. He did not know why he had to have such terrible trial of his, of his health from the head, top of his head to the sole of his feet, uh, struck with sores, had to scrape his sores with shards, potted shards. He didn't know that. No answer. What God said is, I have all the answers. I have all the answers. And I'm not giving you all of them, just like 
I don't give you all the answers to, to, to some of these other things. But Job, I'm just asking you to trust me. Trust me. Amen. And you know, that's the important lesson we learned from Job in the night season. When you're walking through a night season like Job, you need to learn to trust God. When he doesn't answer you and he doesn't give you an answer to why, just simply trust him. Oh, we should lift our hands and say, Lord, help me to do just that. Lord, help me to trust you in my night seasons. Help me, oh, Lord God, to trust you in my trial. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. The third person or persons I want to focus on is Nicodemus and contrast his life with Judas. Because what we learn from the examples of these two individuals is that in the night season, we learn who we really are. In darkness, I learn who I really am. You learn who you are when you're all alone in the midst of darkness, in the midst of the night, all alone in your trial, in your loneliness, in your fears, in your battle. And we see two statements in the Gospel of John made by this terrific Gospel writer. You know, John wrote things that none of the other Gospel writers wrote. Uh, some say it's because he... His gospel is the last one written, and he didn't want to write and, and, and duplicate everything else that the first three had already written. That's, that's maybe an argument, but it, it doesn't really hold, hold a lot of truth in my book, simply because it is the Spirit that is directing anyway. For all scriptures is given by inspiration of God. It is not John writing. It's John writing as the Spirit dictated him to write. Amen. And so that makes a big difference. And, but, but yet, it, it still filtered through the eyes of John, and, and John is the disciple of love. He's the one that has had, had his head on, on the bosom of Jesus, and he was the disciple of love. And you can see it in his, in his book, God So Loved the World, amen. He talks about love more than any other of the disciples, praise God. And so here's, here's John picking up on some things that that no other gospel writer uh, picks up on. For example, Nicodemus coming by night, John chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. He said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. I'm going to stop right there. He came to Jesus by night. He started asking questions. See, for Nicodemus, it was not only... A physical night, it was a spiritual night of darkness. He, he, he was confused by what he saw in Jesus and the, the miracles he performed and, and all the great teachings that he brought forth. And, and yet, because he's a Pharisee and, and his compa companions and, you know, in the Sanhedrin and, and these theological leaders uh, were saying about Jesus and deriding him and denying him and, and discounting him and, and rejecting him, he, he said, you know, it just doesn't add up. They're calling him of the devil. And they're, they're saying that he's not of God. He's a blasphemer. He's, he's, you know, a child of the devil and so on. And yet, he's saying all these great things and doing all these great things that only somebody from God can do and say. And so he comes to Jesus by night and, and he, he was confused and he needed some light. He needed some illumination and some insight and some direction. He needs some revelation. And he came to Jesus to learn from him. 
at night. And then on the other hand, in just 10 chapters later in John chapter 13, verse 30, we read this about Judas. You know who Judas? After taking the Lord's Supper, in verse 30 of chapter 13, he says, He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. He picked up. It was night. He just as Nicodemus came by night, Judas came by night. Hallelujah. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out. He left Jesus. He went away from Jesus. Here on one hand, we see Nicodemus coming to Jesus, Judas going away from Jesus. And we can see that in the darkness, amen, like nothing else will define who we are. We're either moving toward Jesus or away from him. Your nighttime, your darkness, your trial, your pain, your problem, your sickness will either move you towards Jesus or away from him. But the choice is yours and mine. I believe every one of us has that spirit that prompts us to move towards Jesus, to move towards that light. Like Nicodemus. But in our flesh, in our flesh, Brother Drake, we're, 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 like, we're like Judas. We, we want to stay in the darkness. We, want, we like the cover of darkness. Amen. And, and we, we, we don't want to come to the light because we want to be comfortable in where we are in darkness. Hallelujah. So in that darkness of our life, in that dark moment, in that season, we've got to make a decision which direction to go. It's toward the light away from him. Amen. And in that dark season, you can, you, you can go either way, really. And I've seen people do either, both, by the way. And I think you have too. You have, you have seen people that got hurt, they got offended, or uh, some trial came their way and they don't understand why, why God would allow them to, to go through that, suffer loss. You know who I'm talking to? You, you, some of you know, I'll, I'll say it publicly because he mentioned it. He's not here today. Brother Derek Seebecker. Remember how hurt he was, what, 20 years ago? He, their, their baby died. Oh, he got so bitter. so angry. He testified about it right here, didn't he? You talk about a long night. He, he had a night. Hallelujah. But, but, that, but that nightness, that, that dark season, that season of night had an effect on him where he made a choice to walk another direction. And there's, there's others. Hallelujah. Well, let me go back to Derek because it was that same kind of a darkness that brought him back to God. And when he died twice on the operating table. You talk about a night. Hey, that's where your lights go out. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, you know, what a light and what a night. Amen. What, what a light that comes in the night. Wow. A hard time saying that. Try to say that quick, real t- fast three times. Amen. But he died on the operating table. And it was there, remember, he had that vision and, and he, he saw Jesus. And it was there that he knows, he knew what he had to do. And he came back to God. Hallelujah. And, uh, and God's not done with him yet or with his family. Praise the Lord. But, but you see the example here? We go through some very painful things, and God sees that. We go through some terrible trials and terrible times, and God knows all about it. But you see, in those night seasons, you can either let that instruct you and teach you and let you find out who you really are, and you can choose to move in the direction of the light 
or to move even deeper into your darkness. And the choice is up to you. Hallelujah. Peter made the right choice. Thank God after he denied the Lord in his night, he repented and came back and was totally restored. Yeah, somebody, it was painful for him. In fact, it was, Jesus had to go get him. He, he, he made his personal appearance to Jesus. Amen. And uh, it's recorded in the Bible. It, he appeared to Peter singularly on purpose. He needed that kind. And remember, this guy who, re, who denied the Lord is the one that Jesus gave the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and you know what? After he denied him, he didn't take him back. In fact, he came back to a repentant heart. And he told Peter, Peter, I don't know. It's not recorded what, what Jesus said to him. But I can only imagine what a merciful, loving God would say to Peter like that. And anyone who has denied him, anyone who's had that pain of rejection, the pain of failure, the pain of the, of, of the shortcomings of life. And he certainly felt that deeper than you and I. But in any case, Jesus came to him, restored him. You know, that's the thing about darkness. When we're in the darkness of our night and we're going through a trial, and, and it's, it's dark. But when you, all of a sudden you step into the light, it hurts. Did you ever do that? Going from a dark place and go out into the sun and you go, whoa. You know? Especially if you've been out of the light for a long time. You've been in a cave for 30 days. I guarantee you, when you come out of that cave, you're going to need some pretty thick shades. You can't handle it. Because your eyes have adjusted to that darkness. And it's the same thing spiritually. You know, we, 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 we've been surrounded by darkness for so long. And then when we come to the light, then all of a sudden we see things differently and, and the things that we feel with, feel with pain and with sorrow and regret and, and we feel it through and through. And at that point we can either turn around and go back in the darkness where it's more comfortable or we can stay on the straight or narrow and keep walking towards the light until the break of day, until it's wider and broader and hallelujah and, and things change for the better in our lives. But it's up to us. And when you do that, hallelujah, you find Jesus. When you move from darkness, you make that move. Hallelujah, go towards him. You find Jesus. He, you know, you always find him. We start looking for him. When you begin to look for Jesus, you will find him. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And he is merciful and loving and forgiving. That's the big lesson, the third lesson we take away from in nice seasons. Hallelujah. Praise God, and that is that we learn who we are. The last example I want to focus on is Acts chapter 16. That's Paul and Silas. You know the story. They were beaten. They were in prison. Their hands and feet were in stocks. They were in pain. And at midnight hour, they begin to sing. But let me just deal with their pain for a moment. You know, they were persecuted, unjustly treated, unfairly were in. Psalms 119.67 says this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. In verse 71 of that same psalm, it says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. In verse 75 says, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. The Lord afflicts us sometimes. 
Yeah, a lot of affliction can come from the devil, but sometimes the Lord allows affliction to come to us. A night to descend upon us. Why? To bring us to a place of trust and dependency and learning some things that we can only learn in the light, in the darkness rather, so that we can come to the light. Amen. And so three verses in just this one psalm alone showing us that there is a good side to affliction. God can use affliction. God can use the night season in your life as he did with me because it was the night season that brought me to him. And he can use that same kind of affliction to bring you to him as well. And the psalmist attributed to the darkness of affliction and trouble in his life to none other than the Lord. So he seems to teach you and me that darkness nourishes our emerging faith. Darkness doesn't rob us of our faith. In fact, it, it prompts us, it, it calls us out to exercise our faith. And that's why it, it can be useful. And, and again, it a lot depends on our own choices. Psalm 77 verse 6 says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. Why? Because it's in that dark room of the night that God wants us to learn how to sing. Sing the praises of glory. Sing the songs of Zion. In Job 35, 10, but none saith, where is God my maker who giveth songs in the night? In the night. <clears throat> See, he's just mentioning it that, you know, that he didn't get the song in that night, but he did before. And all of a sudden, when he's going through one of his deepest, darkest nights, God didn't give him a song. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't sing a song. And that's what uh, uh, Acts 16 also tells, not to mention 2 Chronicles 20. And you see when Jehoshaphat, uh, surrounded by a mighty army greater than Israel had, hallelujah. And then, of course, God came to him through prophecy. And the prophet said, uh, you don't need to fight this battle. This battle is mine. It's the Lord's and not yours. And just set the singers in the front and begin to sing. And the Bible says when we begin to sing praises that the Lord set ambushments against the enemies that began to destroy each other. The, the enemy did. And God brought a great victory. In the middle of the night season, that king who didn't know what to do, he felt overwhelmed. And I mean overwhelmed. I mean, we have an army three times as big as yours, if not more. And you know what he did? Remember, he declared a fast throughout the country. It was, it was a, a, a terrible time. It was a perilous time. It was desperate. And he, he went on his knees. And he told God, Lord, didn't you make a promise to Abraham? Didn't you give this land to us? Didn't you say that you're our God? Didn't you say that when we're attacked with our enemies, you're going to come and fight for us? And he just laid it all before God. And the Bible says he's in the temple praying. And all of Judah was there. Men, women, children, they were fasting. They were all looking towards God as they got their head bowed and they're praying, oh God, what are we going to do? You talk about a night, a night season. It's that time that God's spirit moved upon one of the prophets and he spoke. He says, hear me, all Judah. And of course, then you know the answer. They give the answer and next day they went forth into battle and God gave them such a victory. It took them three days to haul away all the spoils. But the but the most important lesson is that from Acts 16 as well as from Second uh, uh, Chronicles 20, is it's important for us to learn to sing in the night. It's important to sing in the night. Hallelujah. You know, I remember 
the trial that I went through, and it was not just a one day. It lasted about two and a half years. But through those nights when I came to church, it was the songs that we sang that sustained me. It was the song that, 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 that cheered me. The songs that I still remember that embedded in my heart. And they're old to many of the young people. And they smile and they laugh, you know, when I sing them. But they don't know that those songs were my songs in the middle of my night. Hallelujah. Praise God. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We need to learn how to sing at night. You know, it was when Paul and Silas began to sing in the midnight hour that God sent a strong earthquake. And all the prisoners heard them, the Bible says, and the shackles fell from their hands and their feet. The warden ran in thinking everybody got away free because it was pitch black. And he was ready to fall on his sword and kill himself because if he didn't kill himself, then the Roman emperor would kill him. And Paul yelled out and said, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. And then in the dark season of his night, amen, that jailer fell on his knees and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Oh, the darkness of your night when you sing the songs of Zion. Miracles can happen. God can do great things for you. Others can be saved. Your loved ones can be saved. Hallelujah. I don't know if you're going through a night season right now. Night seasons can last a long time. It can be loss and loneliness. It could be rejection. It can be hurt and offenses. It could be struggles in the flesh and lusts and addictions and, and all kinds of things. It could be financial trouble. It could be your health issues. You hate, you're, you're constantly battling, with, battling against, against your health, being better and better all the time. It, it's wearying. And God knows all about it. Just understand that in the middle of your night, God wants you and I to learn how to sing. He wants us to know how to fight. He wants us to know how to use our faith in that time. He wants us to move towards the light and not stay in our darkness. He wants us to sing. Sing. You know, if you ever been outside after a storm, and I've seen, and you've heard it too, and hurricanes, after the hurricanes, everything's demolished. And these birds come out and... They're singing. We got to do the same thing. We got to learn to sing in our night. Everything's destroyed. Everything's in shambles. And I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to go, but I'm going to keep on singing. And when I sing, good things going to happen. God is going to hear my praise and my worship. He'll open the doors for me. He'll make a way. Hallelujah. He'll come to my side. He said he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Amen. Hallelujah. He's able to do great things. Amen. Hallelujah. He's able to do above and beyond what we ask or think. If anything else, I'll leave with this comforting word from Revelation 21. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, 
for the former things are passed away. And verse 23 of that same chapter, he says, and the city, that city that you and I are going to, if you're faithful and just stick it out through your night, and that city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Now listen to the final scripture. The, la the last chapter of Revelation 22, verse 5. And there shall be no night there. There shall be no more night there. No more fears. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more sickness. No more lawlessness. No more crime. No more hospitals. There's no darkness. No more lessons to learn in the darkness. It'd be one eternal life. For it says, there shall be no night there and they need no candle. Neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can I tell you that we have to understand while we get down here, we're going to have some night times. We see it every day, right? Every day finishes with night in the physical sense. That's the same thing in the spiritual sense, in that we have night seasons that still come in cycles. There's things that come against us of fear and trouble and trial and, and darkness, rejection, loss, all of those things. And each and every one of those times are opportunity to, opportunity to increase our faith, to learn how to fight by faith, learn to trust in God when we don't have all the answers. And we can learn how to sing a song to cheer us and encourage us ourselves. And yes, in those night times, we need to look at ourselves and examine ourselves, who we are, and make sure we're in the faith, make sure we're walking straight. Praise God, because God loves us. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're in one of those night seasons, I don't know, hallelujah, we're going to sing this song. I want you to come and bring your trial to the Lord. Amen. You, you want to seek the Lord and you want to seek direction and answers. Hallelujah. Don't tell me. Tell the Lord. Amen. But he's here right now. He's here right now to bless you. He's here to give you some encouragement. He would come. Praise the Lord. These altars are open. We just sing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.